on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Dominic Catronio. All right, buckle up. We got a long Brewers Extra Innings coming for you, and there's a lot to talk about. Brewers win the series. They win 7-6 to six over the Reds today. It got tense in the ninth inning. Are you really surprised, though? Have you not watched the Brewers the last month and a half? Of course it was going to get tense. This is feeling like playoff baseball for a team that may or may not make it into the postseason. But these games are just sharpening the iron. Yes, it's against the Reds. Yes, you would have liked the sweep, given how poorly Friday went. But the Brewers just got a step forward back in the right direction, a series win, a series win at home, and you lead into a happy off day and a happy flight. Finally, the Brewers just concluded 18 games in 17 days. They just concluded 31 games in 31 days. Now they get two off days in the next four days, Monday and Thursday. Go figure, right? we got a lot to talk about on Brewers Extra Innings. Programming note, we will be with you here on Brewers Extra Innings all the way up until Pack Attack. Homer and Gabe will take things over as soon as the Packers and the Vikings go final. And uh, I can tell you it has not been pretty so far for Packer fans. It is 17-0 right now, Vikings, in the final seconds of the first half. But it's just game one out of 17. Plenty of season to go there. We'll see how the second half shapes up there. But again... We are with you until that game goes final. So buckle up. Vinny Rotino is going to be joining us in a little bit. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to shout out to Doug real quick here. Doug, I didn't get to your uh, text earlier in pregame. Ran out of time. Wanted to get to you. I was kind of scattering all over the place. Scatterbrained in these pregame shows. Apologies to not getting to you there, Doug. But a few texts already here. On the uh, on this text line already, why can't we let our starters go six or seven innings? We're still in the hunt. What have we got to lose? Go for it. That question comes from Mike and Mequon. So, when you talk about Brandon Woodruff, I think is the most specific one in this regard. Brandon Woodruff did his job today. Six innings, five hits, two runs, one walk, eleven strikeouts. He threw ninety-five pitches, sixty-one for strikes, and. On the surface, it's like, why can't we let that guy go seven? There's a couple reasons. Let's rewind again. Part of this controversy comes from Tuesday's ugly loss in Colorado when it was 6-1. to one. Woodruff was pulled after seven. They go to the bullpen for the final two innings, and uh, they couldn't get it done. That's Colorado. That's a the most friendly hitter-friendly environment. This is Milwaukee, a little more neutral if you will. It still slightly favors the hitter, but not on a day like today with the panels and the roof closed. The reason why Woodruff didn't go seven innings today is because look at the scoreboard when he was pulled from the game through six. It was seven to two. If you can't trust your bullpen to handle a seven to two game, you got serious issues. And I know what you're thinking, Don, they can't handle it. No, 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 no. You don't believe that. The whole point was to make sure you give rest when you need it because as we talk about the off days here, two off days in the next four days, the Brewers will then only have one off day, the final Monday of the season on the 26th. So they will end the year with nine in a row. 
Keep that in mind to keep arms fresh. Because if the Brewers are within a game, within two games, trying to make a final second push, they are going to need every arm, all hands on deck, to try to get into the postseason in that final week. The Brewers believe, correct Council believes, and I believe, you should be able to survive a game with Peter Strzelecki, with Luis Perdomo, with Brent Suter. This isn't a knock on those guys, but those are not the A bullpen guys. There's an A bullpen and a B bullpen, a high leverage and a medium leverage. The Brewers should have enough trust and enough expectation out of their bullpen arms, like Strzelecki, who gave up a two-run homer today. Taylor Rogers had to come in. He worked a strong eighth inning. Devin Williams had a weird ninth inning. But if Strzelecki throws a scoreless seventh, and the Brewers remain up 7-2, to two, you probably would have seen a Perdomo, or you probably would have seen a Suter. You try to get through without having to use your A bullpen. Give them a breather, because they will be needed down the stretch. And maybe Craig Council gets a little more cavalier and a little more aggressive using his starters in that final stretch, knowing what he's going to have to do with his bullpen. Maybe then he's saving the bullets for that final 10-day stretch for the final 15 days or so where they need to get maybe 7 out of a guy because they used their bullpen the day before, or they need to get 8 because he's the most effective pitcher, whomever that may be. That's my thought of it as far as why hasn't Woodruff gone more than 7. And do not lose sight. You're only talking about the fact that Woodruff didn't go 7 because the Brewers nearly blew a 7-2 lead. If this game is a 10-2 final, a 7-2 final, I don't think we even mention it. That's why I think of it, because they need to build that trust for the secondary unit to actually close the game out and not have to use the high leverage. And quite frankly, this last week has not been a very good example of them being able to do that. That's my mini rant about that. So thanks for everybody who's wanted to hop in and ask about that. Uh, Doug also chiming in, got by by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin again against Cincinnati. Woodruff was probably saying not again. Yeah, maybe. But at least they are scoring more runs and when they win, and they needed them. Now let's see what they do with the big boys. This stretch is the season. You're absolutely right. We're going to preview that stretch. Look, we can't empty the holster, per se, here in the very first segment. They just reached halftime in, Green, uh, in Minneapolis, Green Bay, and Minnesota. 17 nothing Vikings. So we got a long show. We are going all the way to pack attack, okay? Once that game goes final, that's when we'll hand it off. We're going to have news coming up here at the top of the hour. 855 855- 616-1620. Brewers Extra Innings rolling on. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can text, you can call, you can tweet me as well at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Plenty more coverage to come. We're going to talk national landscape. We're going to talk Brewers landscape. We're going to talk playoff previews. A whole lot happening here on Brewers Extra Innings on the home of the Brewers. WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. The pitch. This one lined to the right field corner. Roddy Tanaz going to have at least a double. He may get two RBIs. He's got one. The second is scoring. Standing. Willie Adamas on a two-run double by Roddy Tanaz. Rowdy had himself a day. Almost had a really epic day when he came up with the bases loaded later in this contest. But a multi-homer day for Rowdy. It's his fifth this season and the tenth 
of his career. Get this for Rowdy Telez as we roll on with Brewers Extra Innings. I'm Dominic Catronio. Vinny Rotino joining us in this segment as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Rowdy Telez joins an impressive list as far as multi-homer games in a single season in Brewers history. The most in a single Brewers, uh, in a Brewers season. Most multi-homer games. Just take one guess. You know who it is. It's... I already saw your tweet. I wouldn't have known. But Robin, <laughs> Robin Yount. Yes, of course it's Robin. If it's if it's a Brewers record, it's going to be Robin. Yeah. He hit seven multi-homer games in 1982. And that's the other part of the trivia. It's like, oh, guess what season it was. Yeah, it's going to be 1982. So he has the most. Six belongs to three guys. Ryan Braun, he did it twice in 2012 and 2016. Richie Sexton did it in 2001. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Gorman Thomas mm-hmm. in 1982. Those guys all had six multi-homer games in a single season. And then now Rowdy Telez joining this crew at five multi-homer games. Prince did it twice, 2007 and 2009. Yelich did it in 2019. Jeremy Burnett did it in 2001. And KD, Chris Davis, hmm. did it in 2015. And now Rowdy joins that list. As far as multi-homer games, welcome in, Vinny. Hey, thanks. Wow, what a, what a what a day they needed it, to yeah. say the least. Rowdy showing up huge. It got tense late, but that's why having a offense that hit homers is nice and try to get some runs on early. It allows you to have some room for error, despite a weird ninth inning for Devin. I don't think that was all on Devin, right. but uh, what are your major takeaways from not only a win here but a series win and the way they were punching the mouth on Friday? Yeah, well, really. If they lose today, and I know we talked about this last night a bunch, like this is absolutely a must-win, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Because this game, if you don't have that winning feeling going into the two against St. Louis, who's playing some of the best baseball in all of baseball, then you have the Yankees and the Mets after that. So this is make-or-break time for the Brewers. I'm not saying they have to win all those series. I'm not even saying they have to, you know, go above 500. They just have to split, I think, in those games, and then and then they'll have to really, you know, assess and see where they're at and see how many games they have to win and win out. But like those are the games that they they're going to be the biggest test of the Brewers' season coming up. And if you lose to the Reds, if you lose a series to the Reds going into that, then you're in big trouble. I and mean, I tweeted this saying, "Oh, please, not this way." When things right. when they had runners on second and third and a run already in, you're thinking, oh my goodness. Not 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 like this. Not with Devin, not with all this, but when he, when we break down that ninth inning, so Devin, I think the only mistake he really made in that inning was throwing his third best pitch to a guy that has never seen him in the final three weeks of the season. Devin is a massive piece of this bullpen. He is going to be your closer in the postseason if they make it that far. He is going to be the guy that's going to get the final out if the Brewers are having a chance to clinch a postseason berth. I'm going to speak for myself here, and I don't know if this conversation is being had in the clubhouse. Devin, let, let's go ahead and shelve the cutter until next spring training, man. <laughs> I, I don't want to see it anymore. Uh, that's a great call, Dom, just because, yeah, I mean, th- every pitch matters. Every pitch matters in every game, but every pitch really, really matters right now, especially for Devin Williams in a, with a three-run lead in a save situation. You cannot throw that pitch. You cannot hang it over the middle. You cannot let – Spencer Steer hit a double over Christian Yelich's head to, to lead off the inning. You knew things were going to get hairy right after that, and they did. But kudos to him that he settled in, he settled down, he was able to get a huge strikeout to Kyle Farmer. I mean, what a pitch that he made on that changeup away. 
in order to strike him out. Because remember, it was second and third with a run in already. All Kyle Farmer has to do right there is get that run across, move the runner over with a ground ball to second base. And that run, the tying run then is on, is on third base. They're only up one. Then that fly ball that Garrett Mitchell runs down ties the game. But instead, the strikeout creates a situation where the fly ball just hits a, a sack fly to get him within one. And then obviously he struck out Jonathan India, gave him the platinum sombrero with five punch outs. Yeah, what a day for Jonathan India. But I want to go back to that second and third and nobody out situation with Kyle Farmer at the plate. Help enlighten some folks as to why the Brewers did not have the infield in in that situation with nobody out, second and third. What is the benefit to not having the infield in, and what are the risks of not having the infield in? What what was the reasoning for that? No, uh, think about it. So what run matters in that situation? It's the runner on second base. You want to keep the runner on second base from scoring. So if you bring the infield in, he has a better chance of scoring with a base hit that gets through the infield. You do not care about that run on third base. So you just don't care about it. You let that run come in. If there's a ground ball, obviously you let it come in. And no harm, no foul. Obviously you have to get the last two outs. But that's the reason why you don't have the infield in right there. And, and it worked out. I mean, what a strikeout by Kyle Farmer. He executed a changeup away really, really well. Devin Williams has been absolutely unhittable most of the season, but he's been really unhittable when he's been commanding that fastball, and he did it again tonight. And, and to my point of saying, the cutter was really the only mistake Devin made because – a check swing, excuse me, by Alejo Lopez, like, okay, whatever. He was that badly fooled on a changeup and dropped it perfectly. Then he got another weak ground ball over to third base from Matt Reynolds and Jace Peterson, very un-Jace Peterson-like, yeah. throwing it low. And I also think that Rowdy would tell you he should have scooped yeah. that ball. I'm not putting the blame on Rowdy, but Jace made a poor throw, obviously. But at the same time, it was just, are you kidding me? Like, this right. is one of those moments, like, is this going to be how the Brewers lose this series, the panic set in? But kudos to Devin, man. You mentioned the strikeout. The Friedel, it was weak contact again to yep. center field. A fly ball does not hurt you in that situation. What a play by Garrett Mitchell. I think he kind of underestimated his own speed. Yes, it was a diving catch, and yes, it looked clutch and looked cool on television. I think a lot of outfielders in big leagues are going to watch it like, dude, you were there. Like, yeah. You didn't need to dive, right? But it was cool. Yeah, he dove. He dove a little bit early, um, and then what? What was scary about that play, really, when I was watching it unfold, was the fact that he hit the ground. He hit the ground hard. He actually hit the ground as the ball was making contact with his, with his glove. You see outfielders all the time when they do that. The ball pop out. Luckily, he was able to hang on to it. Um, but we're, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure the adrenaline was pumping for Garrett Mitchell as his opportunity to make a make an impact in a in a playoff race. Um, when he first got to the as he's first in the big leagues now, and so I think the adrenaline is probably pumping for him. He's going to be a really impactful center fielder going forward. And I'm not criticizing the play. I'm just right. making a no. comment like it was a great play. He was this that tells you his mindset of like sell out. I gotta dive like all in for this play. And he underestimated his own speed that he was there because he slowed down in the middle of that route and then managed to decide to, okay, I can die. Oh, wait, I didn't need to dive. And he caught it like near the shoulder and right. was already on the ground and all that. And then the strikeout of Jonathan India, platinum sombrero, in case you weren't familiar. A golden sombrero is when you go over four with four strikeouts. So a platinum sombrero, of course, platinum, the most precious metal, if you will, over five, five strikeouts. He's only the fourth red ever to go 0 for 5 with five strikeouts in a nine-inning game. Uh, not great company for Jonathan India. And the Brewers held the Rookie of the Year in check from 2021 against the Rookie of the Year of 2020. So I thought that was a fun little moment for the Brew crew in this one. 
Devin Williams keeps it together. He's now 6-for-6 in saves at home. He's got 12 saves on the season now. This was probably the only one at home that he's been stressed about and the way things worked out. But again, I think the only mistake he made was the cutter to lead off the inning to Spencer Steer. They get the job done by a final of 7-6. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One more time, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mike in Colorado chiming in, one of our regulars. Brewers need wins and not necessarily style points. I'll take this kind of win any day in September, but the weak runners and scoring position factor still grates on me about this team. Yes, you will take any win in any fashion at this point in the year, especially given the Brewers are chasing things right now in the playoff race. If you want to split hairs, you want to get critical, yes, they scored seven runs, but also four of them coming on homers. They got the double early from Telez, but didn't have a lot else going on. Uh, or excuse me, five of the home runs coming on homers. They went two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Vinny feels like a broken record at this point of how much we've talked about it. Yes, okay. I, I, I do want to mention that, you know, and I'm not a fan of talking about, like, exit velos that are hit right at guys, but I will say, just because that's a broken record as well. I, I will say, though, the ball that Christian Yelich hit with the bases loaded to the second baseman was an absolute rocket, a two-hop rocket ground ball out um it was 112 miles an hour off the bat like that at the end of the day like that is a win i mean that is a really hard hit ball i mean 112 miles an hour and it just happened to go right at somebody if that goes just a foot to the left or the right there's no way that india gets to that ball and that's a another two runs that score so um but yes they do need to be better with runners in scoring position they just have i feel like at times it's just I don't know if it's lack of focus or just swinging at bad pitches or, you know, just chasing outside the zone, maybe getting a little bit too amped up, wanting to do it a little too much. So um, hopefully, you know, they'll turn that around. Yeah, and for the Brewers, uh, for their offense, we know it's run by the home run ball. But when they're on all cylinders, when they're getting walks like they did today, when they're getting timely hitting, that's when they become – one of the more dangerous offenses in the National League. When they can score runs without the homer, that's when they're great. They haven't been doing that on this homestand. We're going to talk pitching. We've got to talk about Brandon Woodruff. We've got to talk about everything going on with the Brew Crew heading into this postseason race. We're going to look at the out-of-town scoreboard as well. Again, we've got a long show with you. We're with you all the way up until pack attack begins. Uh, bad news, uh, the Vikings just got a field goal. It's 20-3 to now with about 10 minutes to go. In the third quarter, we're going all the way until Packer post game until Pack Attack. All right, so we got plenty of time to break a lot of stuff down here on the show. Vinny Rotino, Dominic Catronio, eight five five six one six one six twenty. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Bouncer, double play ball. Colton Wong, Adonis, Telez. Six three, you can't do it any better than that. And yeah, that was a flashy flip from Colton Wong over to Adamas, who fired a strike over to first for a key four six three double play, just as he draw it up. Brewers win seven to six. They're seventy five and sixty six now on the season. The Reds fall to fifty six and eighty two. They have clinched an under five hundred season. Which I mean, when you start three and twenty two, I think you kind of clinch it at that point in the season. But anyway. We've got to talk about how great Brandon Woodruff has been as of late, especially at home, too. Brandon Woodruff, six innings, five hits, two runs, both earned, 
one walk, 11 strikeouts, his 15th career double-digit strikeout game, and his fourth this year. Uh, This has been really the Cy Young version of Brandon Woodruff since he was activated off the IL in June. He has really taken over as far as the most consistent starter on the Brewers since coming back from the IL. What impressed you? What did you like from Brandon Woodruff here in this start today? So what I liked about Brandon Woodruff is what I've liked about his starts ever since he did come off the IL is, is the fact that he can pound the zone with all of his all of his weapons, right? I mean, and he and he also utilizes whatever secondary pitch he's got working that day the most. I mean, we've seen a lot of sliders now from him. He's been consistent with that pitch. I think he scrapped that pitch earlier um, in the season and even parts of last season. He would kind of get away from throwing the slider and throw more curveballs and changeups because it wasn't very inconsistent. Would back up on him. We've now seen him be very consistent with that pitch. And so that is just an additional weapon that he can use, and he used it today. Also had the changeup. That changeup is just absolutely filthy. I mean, it's always been there for him. Now it's just pairing really, really well with with the fastball. Um, you know, the other thing that was so impressive to me is that he had a little bit of uh, yeah, a little bump in the road in that second inning in the top of the second where he started off, kind of made a mistake to Jake Fraley for that double. Alejo Lopez hit a double. Uh, as well, and then he gave up the two runs, but then he bounced back in the top of the third and went one, two, three, right? He just was totally locked in after that. Um, yeah, I thought that's, that was really impressive. I think when he realizes that the fastball was virtually unhittable today, yeah. there, there was no answer. They were sitting on everything other than his fastball, especially that second time through. I mean, at one point, the top third of the order for the Reds was 0 for 6 with five strikeouts, and almost all those strikeouts were on fastballs. T.J. Friedel saw a million changeups today, and he had no answer for that. The Brewers, and Brendan Woodruff specifically, really handled the top of the Reds' order because you get down to the bottom third. I know the bottom third had a good day today, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, it wasn't supposed to happen, obviously, like that. And it wasn't right. a matter of Woodruff not executing pitches. It was more of, I don't want to call it luck because they're big league hitters. But at the end of the day, it's kind of barrel catching ball. And, you know, I think the homer by Lopez, even off Strezlecki, wasn't even yeah. that great of a swing. Yeah, Lopez has like four extra base hits on the, se- on the right. entire season. And he just basically ran into that double in the, in the uh, second inning against Brandon Woodruff. But, yes, Brandon, you're absolutely right, Tom. Brandon Woodruff, when he trusts that fastball. And it, as a pitcher and as a catcher, you're like, we, we have to throw something else, don't we? And it's like, no, you don't. You can continue to get outs with your four-seamer and the two-seamer. So I think that's where, you know, the catcher and then Brandon Woodruff just has to continue to trust that heater because it is that good. Yep. Uh, we got, do have a caller here as well. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, 855 616 620. We're going to head down south of the border. We're going to go Richard in Rockford, Illinois. He wants to chime in about Brandon Woodruff and the length of his start today. Hi, Richard. Hey, good afternoon. I'm a longtime Brewer fan. I've been a fan since they came to Milwaukee, and uh, I'm approaching my 82nd birthday. Love that. I live Happy, and uh, die with the Brewers. I live and die with the Brewers. I, I watch them on TV. I, I have direct TV, and I pay extra every year to be able to get the Brewer games. Um, I love you. But anyway, I was wondering, Woodruff was going good. I was wondering if he would have been able to pitch another inning. I think that would have made the game a lot easier. Um, <clears throat> it didn't seem to me like he threw that many pitches that he should have been pulled. 
Yeah, I, I, I like the comment there, Richard. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for your fandom for so many years as well, Richard. But for Woodruff, 95 pitches through six innings. I'm not going to sit here and say I agree with every single decision that Craig Council makes. This is one of those times I said, you know what? You're up 7-2. to two. There's a time to send Woodruff back out to see if he can get through seven with a rested bullpen ready to rip. I would have been fine with throwing him back out there for a seventh. I understand why Council didn't do it. I explained in the first segment saying, you're going to only have you're going to have nine consecutive days to end the season. That's when I think you're going to really let them loose because the game's going to matter so much if you know what they have. But if they haven't done it, how are you going to know they can give you seven innings? I personally would have put Woodruff back out there for one more frame. He didn't really have many high-stress innings, especially with a 7-2 lead. He didn't really have anything to worry about. At the same time, I understand Council's reasoning for it, trying to keep his arms fresh at the end of the year. If they do make the postseason, they are going to need at least one more, maybe two more starts out of Woodruff, depending on how deep they go. Personally, I would have sent him out with the seventh. If he runs into trouble, you bring somebody in. But I also understand the sixth inning. I can see both sides, right? 105 pitches was the most he's thrown, and that was back on – Was the, sorry, let me back up. Was the most he has thrown since August 4th. Sorry, since July. Back – he has he threw over 100 pitches once in all of August and all of September so far, right? And that that outing was on August 21st against the Cubs. He threw 105 pitches. So right now in this outing, he was at 95. Could he have gone 100 plus? Absolutely, he could have. I think Craig Council is going to try and just milk these arms and save them because great point, Dom. I think at the end of the year and into October, they're going to need the best versions of Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns if they plan on making the playoffs. And also, let's remind folks, too, this team is currently down three starters. Yep. You know, Eric Lauer, uh, Aaron Ashby still only throwing flat grounds right now, and Freddie Peralta. If you push it a little too far, you're done for. I mean, you're yeah. absolutely done for. And I think that might be the, the, the high-wire act that Craig Council's walking right now. If you, I think this is Craig Council's mindset. If he has an opportunity... To, to not push a guy over 100 pitches, he's going to take that opportunity. And that's what he did today. So if he, you know, the, when I say if he has an opportunity, a 7-2 to lead and then a Peter Strzelecki coming in, who has pitched very well for the Milwaukee Brewers. And, in fact, I loved the fact that he gave up the home run. The wheels could have came off, and they didn't. I love the fact that he, he locked it in, and he got three outs right after that. Even the ninth inning, the wheels could have come off, yeah. too, and Devin Williams was able to lock things down for the Brewer crew in a 7-6 to six win. Before we let you go, Vinny, I do want to talk a little bit ahead, a little bit of around baseball right now. There is good news happening for the Brew crew. They came in today three games back of a wild card spot, essentially four, currently chasing San Diego, but they're only a half game back of the Phillies. So anytime either of those two teams lose is a good day. And right now, the Dodgers just hit a grand slam. They're up 10-2 to on San Diego. They're in the seventh inning there, so that game's just about over. And after a lengthy rain delay in Philadelphia, the Nationals now have a 4-1 to lead on Philly. So if both of those results hold, the Brewers will find themselves two games back, essentially three, heading into an off day tomorrow with only 21 games to go in the season. It's going to get tense. It's going to get crazy. I mean... You look at, there's still three more games for the Padres against the Dodgers. The Phillies have six more games against the Braves as the Brewers enter this tough stretch with the Cardinals, Yankees, and Mets. There's a reason you play 162, right? Just like there's a reason the Packers play 17. (laughs) You play the whole season and add them up at the end. 
Where do you feel, I don't know if you can put a, a number on it of like a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being yes, they're making the postseason. How do you feel about their postseason chances right now? I'm going to say they're 50-50, maybe even a little bit better, just a tick better. I mean, just because of what you said, because of San Diego's schedule, it all come out in the wash right here again, you know, after after we take a look at where where they stand after the Yankees, Mets, and Cardinals in these next uh, eight games. But um, I think they're a little bit above 50%. I, I mean, they're playing well enough, and you have... Three really good starters right now, if you count Adrian Hauser, right? Mm-hmm. You have Burns, Cy Young type, Woodruff, Cy Young type guy, and then and then Hauser's pitching really well. So you have you have those guys, and then you got some guys that are, are waiting to come back from injury. I, I do think, you know, they, they still have a pretty good shot. Coming into this homestand, I probably would have been 40-60 yeah. saying Me no. Too. I think I'm closer to like 49-51 right now. I'm not ready to go 50-50 like you, but it's close, just because... They are the team chasing, which helps. You know, there's technically less pressure on you. But the offense is still what kind of pulls me back to say, ah, do they have enough down the stretch? And they're going to end the year with the two great pitching staffs of Miami and Arizona. They're going to end with probably one start from Sandy Alcantara, from Pablo Lopez, maybe Zach Allen, maybe Merrill Kelly. So that's where I still hesitate. I need to see a big winning streak. And this is when the Cardinals started their big winning streak Last year, now the Brewers have won back-to-back games. You got to win on Tuesday to make it a winning streak, as they say. No, you're no, you you make really good points, Dom. But I do think this team, you know, they play well against good teams. They they, they really do. So um, they're not going to take, you know, Miami or Arizona lightly. I don't think they took them lightly earlier in the year either. Uh, in last week against the Diamondbacks, but they'll be ready for them, especially if, if the season is on the line, if they are within striking distance, I think they'll come up and play against those teams. All right, Vinny Rettino joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. Real quick, uh, we call it a platinum sombrero. Euchre calls it Olympic rings, this is according to Scott tweeting me in. Have you, uh, I've heard him call it Olympic rings before, too. Which do you prefer, platinum sombrero or Olympic rings? I like I like platinum sombrero, but the fact that you calls it something different, that's kind of cool, you know, so yeah, <laughs> I'll take probably, either one. You should probably call what Euchre calls it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Vinny, thanks for joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. A lot more to come. Again, we're with you until the start of Pack Attack when the Packers game goes final. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. And the pitch. Lying to right in the corner. Get out of here. Gone for Rowdy Tellez. That was a line drive. Out of here in the blink of an eye. Man, 29th homer of the year at the time for Rowdy Tellez. He added his 30th later in the contest. Brewers win 7-6. This is Brewers Extra Innings, 855-616-1620. Looking at the StatCast stuff uh, from Rowdy's home run, the home run hang time was 3.9 seconds, one of the fastest homers hit by the Brewers this season. It only reached uh, an apex in height of 48 feet. That's a line shot by definition of a home run, one of the lowest hit balls for a homer all season for the Brew Crew, according to StatCast. And Rowdy added one later to make it his 10th career multi-homer game. It, it was a heck of a day for Rowdy to get back on track. He's hit a lot of homers lately, and he finally got one with uh, a runner on base, which was nice, too. 
Uh, he added the solo homer, of course, later as well. But Rowdy getting back going in the right direction, too. Uh, he is going to be a massive part. Because remember, Rowdy, he's only missed eight games all season long. And two of them came last week when he was dealing with his knee. Now, eight games doesn't mean, you know, he, he's appeared in games off the bench as a pinch hitter. So those count as a game appeared in. But he's only missed eight games. This is the first time in his career he has played every day. And perhaps the body's starting to catch up to him a little bit. There is nothing to sniff at at playing 162 games in a season. If your body has never done it before, it is something to adjust to, right? There's only 20-something off days, 25 off days in a season. In a 162-game year, that's a hard schedule. And the Brewers in this stretch, if they just finished 31 games in 31 days, everybody was begging for that off day. And I think they're also, this is just me talking, with rain tomorrow in the forecast here uh, in Milwaukee, I think they're really excited about that because now you don't even have the temptation to go play golf, right? Just go to bed, sleep in, hang out, do nothing all day tomorrow because the Brewers have deserved it to get to that point in the season. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet me as well at Dom underscore Catronio. Scott tweeted me as well asking, what's going on with the Brewers rotation next week? How does it set up? It's a great question. It is going to be very interesting to see how the Brewers want to play this. Two games in St. Louis against the Cardinals with an off day tomorrow and an off day on Thursday. They still have TBD listed for Tuesday uh, in the game against St. Louis, and then Corbin Burns going back one day to go on Wednesday against the Cardinals. Remember, he has dominated against St. Louis this season, so that should be encouraging to see. On paper, you could say... It would be uh, a Jason Alexander, but Jason just pitched on Friday, so it would be kind of a quick turnaround to have him pitch on four days rest. Do you go with, say, uh, a bullpen day? Do you have Brent Suter be an opener? Do you have uh, then bring in somebody else in in that regard uh, of a right-hander to flip the lineup and things like that? I I don't know what the Brewers are going to do in that regard. That's something to keep an eye out for. Do you have Luis Perdomo be an opener and set the lineup for a righty? Uh, There's a a couple of different ways that the Brewers can go uh, with Tuesday's game, but they do have a whole day to figure things out. As far as the rest of the rotation, when you look at it after Wednesday, they have another off day on Thursday. So then when you look ahead at the Yankees series coming up next weekend, as of now, that would pencil in, just based on days of rest, it would pencil in Adrian Hauser for Friday, Brandon Woodruff for Saturday, and then perhaps whoever starts on Tuesday would go on Sunday against the Yankees? Or do you have, say, if it's not Jason Alexander on Tuesday, save Jason Alexander for Sunday? Does that same bullpen day again? Because Freddie and uh, Lauer won't be ready to come off by then. It would have to be the Mets series that either one of those guys come off the injured list if they're going to at that time. Uh, To answer the question, Scott, we don't quite know yet. We'll know more when we arrive to the ballpark on Tuesday for what's going to happen with the Brewers' rotation. It's another reminder that the Brewers' rotation has been battered and bruised all season long, and now the only man that has not missed a start this year is Corbin Burns. Really, a stark contrast from the Brewers' luxury of last season 
of having relatively great health in the starting rotation. Woodruff only missed two weeks because of a COVID diagnosis. Uh, Brandon Woodruff didn't really miss a start last season. Freddie Peralta missed a little less than a month, a couple of weeks really, due to a weird shoulder scare that he had late in the season. Brett Anderson was hurt a lot last year, but Adrian Hauser was clutch. Eric Lauer was a swingman when he started the year last year. So the Brewers really were lucky in the health of their starting staff last season. That has not so much been the case this year, and it's quite frankly impressive that they're only going to be potentially two games back of a playoff spot by day's end today. But as I say that, looking out to Philadelphia, the Phillies have tied things up. It's 4-4 to now in the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, a Reese Hoskins three-run homer uh, for the Phillies have tied has tied things up 4-4 four to four in the bottom of the fifth out there. But the Padres are still getting bludgeoned by the Dodgers 10-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh inning. Brewers, Cardinals next, Tuesday and Wednesday. Last trip to Bush Stadium this year. Then, home for the Yankees on Friday. Then, home for the Mets the following midweek Monday through Wednesday before they go to Cincinnati for a four-game set with the Reds. And that four-game set with the Reds will kind of allow the Brewers to coast in for the rest of the year with the exception of two games. So this next week is the gauntlet. This is what everything has been leading up to. Can the Brewers prove it? Two games against St. Louis, three games against the Yankees, three games against the Mets, eight consecutive games, against not only against teams above 500, but teams that are at the top of their divisions. Yes, the Mets and the Braves are interlocked. They're going back and forth. The Yankees have been free-falling as of late, but they're still at the top of the, of the AL East. And yes, the Cardinals, much of the Brewers' chagrin, are going to likely win the Central. I mean, it's almost over at this point. So three consecutive games or series against the top of the divisions. If you're listening, if you want to chime in, I want to hear your thoughts. You can text this, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. You can tweet me as well, at Dom underscore Catronio. What do you think the Brewers' record should be? And what do you think it will be? Eight games against division leaders. And this is assuming the Brewers want to make the postseason, right? Are you going to be cool with four and four? Are you going to be cool with three and five? I know you would be thrilled with five and three. I know you would be thrilled with six and two. But what do you think realistically of the Brewers in these next eight games against the Cardinals, Yankees, and Mets? I want to hear from you on that. 855 616 620, or tweet me at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. Looking out to uh, Minneapolis right now, it's 20-7, to Vikings leading the Packers. Uh, we will be with you all the way up until Pack Attack later on tonight. As soon as that game goes final, there's a minute to go in the third quarter. Packers have the ball. They just got past the Vikings 20-yard line as we speak Right now, they got a lot of work to do in that contest. But, hey, they got blown out in the first game last season, too. So, hey, no, no need to panic yet. They play 17 games. The Brewers play 162. There's a lot of season to break down. Still got Craig Council sound coming up in just a little bit. Still also got highlights to go over on an extended Brewers extra innings coming up today. We're going to look around the league coming up next. Brewers win 7-6. to six. They win the series 2 out of 3. And they enjoy 
a 4-1 and one mini homestand with a doubleheader on Thursday and the three games this weekend against the Reds. Good vibes here at American Family Field. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. The stretch, the pitch. Hit to right center and deep. Way back. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Willie Adamas. He just took Justin Dunn out of here with a drive to deep right center. The Hall of Famer on the call, Bob Euchre. Brewers get the victory today, 7-6. to six. They use the home run ball, three of them total. Two by Rowdy Telez and that one by Willie Adamas. He's now one back of Robin Yount for the most homers in a single season by a Brewers shortstop. Yount had 29 in 1982. Willie's just one back of him. No Brewers shortstop has ever hit 30 homers in a season, and that will have to happen if he's going to break that record. I'm Dominic Catronio. we got an extended Brewers extra innings for you today. We are all the way going until Pack Attack comes on for the post-game show of the Green Bay Packers. Watching the game right now, it is 20-7 Vikings with the lead. Just getting going in the fourth quarter. Big first town just converted by the Packers right now. So they got their work cut out for them here in this final quarter against Minnesota. But we're talking Brewers, and I posed a question right before that last break. Brewers are about to play eight consecutive games against teams above 500 and teams leading their division. The Cardinals, the Yankees, and the Mets. What is the record you think they will finish with, and what is the record you hope they will finish with over these next eight games? I say I think it's going to be four and four. I hope it's going to be five and three because that will certainly keep things interesting in this race. If you want to chime in, 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, 855-616-1620. Mike in Lumbar down in Illinois wants to chime in. Mike, what do you think about this record? Great show, by the way. Yeah, I agree Thank with you. you. Uh, I would say five and three, really six and two. The magic number for them to make the playoffs to me is 90 wins. How many games they got left? I mean, 90 wins. They have 75 right now. They need 15 more wins. Will they get it? The Brewers are a real torture, torture chamber in the last two months to us fans. It's just up and down, so close. At least 10 blown losses, right, guys? They should not be worried about this season right now, but we are. So they need what ninety wins, and I would say five and three, but but they'll probably go four and four, maybe three and five. The Yankees are great, Mets are great, Cardinals are great. That's all. Yeah, Cardinals are really darn good. Thanks for the for the call in there, Mike. I want to blow everyone's mind here real quick with a stat. I know the Yankees got off to that incredible start this season. They've been uh, the talk of the town with what Aaron Judge is doing. Uh, what if I told you that the Brewers have a better record than the Yankees since July 1st? And think about it. July 1st, the Brewers have not been really a great team since July 1st. It really goes back to June 1st. But since July 1st, the Brewers are now 31-32, and 32, one game under five hundred. Whereas the Yankees, they're 29-35 and 35 since July 1st. So maybe two teams catching themselves in a similar crossroads underperforming. You talk about Judge. There's a nickname going around in New York. It's Judge and the Sludge right now. Their offense has been non-existent aside from Aaron Judge. 
That's been the big problem for the Yankees, shockingly enough. It's Aaron Judge being a one-man wrecking crew for the Yankees. So don't be shocked about what you could see out of the Brewers in that Yankees series. They've been dealing with a ton of injuries in their bullpen as well, which will make things interesting. And you look at their starting rotation for New York, they only have one lefty in it. It's Nestor Cortez, who's been solid this year, really a coming-out party this year for him. But you see Garrett Cole, will you see Frankie Montas, will you see Domingo Herman? will you see Jamison Tyone? And the Brewers have seen Tyone plenty when he was with the Pirates. I wonder how that's going to work out with the Yankees, but thanks for the participation, Mike. Doug texting in, they will be 4-4 four and four over these next eight games. It will come down to winning two out of three against the Mets for that hap- to happen. So for that to happen, the Brewers would only get one win each, either against the, and most likely at a split with the Cardinals and losing the series to the Yankees, but then winning the series against the Mets is how Doug envisions it. And you want to talk about cold offenses, well, they're one of them too. The Mets offense, they don't really hit the ball hard. Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso have been carrying their offense, but aside from that, some of the acquisitions they've made, Eduardo Escobar's been hurt for a good chunk of the year. He's back now. Mark Canna hasn't hit as much power as they had hoped for coming from the Oakland A's. Uh, Jeff McNeil's had a solid year, especially for batting average-wise. And you'll see old friend Daniel Vogelback as well now with the Mets as he was with the Pirates earlier this season. I think these two teams, Brewers might be catching them at the right time. And specifically the Mets with them trying to figure out what's going on with Max Scherzer. He's now got a strained oblique. He was placed on the injured list a week ago. Looks like they're going to miss Scherzer. They missed DeGrom and Scherzer in New York earlier this year. So maybe they can dodge another bullet and catch the days right where they don't see DeGrom. But the rest of that rotation, Chris Bassett's been solid, but the rest of that rotation, David Peterson, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, they're certainly gettable, and the only lefty in that is David Peterson. So again, only one lefty each the Yankees and the Mets have, and that's been the kryptonite all season long for the Brewers facing left-handed starters. 855-616-1620. Again, I asked the question. Eight straight games coming up against contending teams. What do you think the record will be? What do you hope the record will be? Again, I hope it'll be 5-3. and three. I think it'll be 4-4. Four and four. And I think in both of those scenarios... The Brewers are still in it, because when you look ahead at the schedules for both the Braves, or excuse me, for the uh, Phillies and for the the uh, Dodgers, or excuse me, the Pir- the Padres, I'm all over the place. I'm looking at scores. I'm trying to keep up to date with everything. But looking at the Phillies, while the Brewers play this tough part of their schedule, the Phillies also have three games against Miami. They'll have another game against Sandy Alcantara in that series, and they'll have three against the Braves followed by two against Toronto and four more against the Braves. That's their gauntlet that they're about to hit right now. And then as for the Padres, they're about to finish up with the Dodgers losing in that series. Now they're about to go to Seattle for two games. They've been playing great baseball as of late, looking like they're going to finally end their postseason drought. They'll go to Arizona for four games. By the way, Zach Gallon's scoreless inning streak is over at 44 and a third innings. It's now the sixth longest streak in Major League Baseball history. Congratulations to him. Then they got the Cardinals as well. And they still have one more series with those Dodgers coming up at the end of September. So their gauntlet, if you will, is spread out a little bit more than what the Brewers have coming up over these next eight games. Let's talk about the Brewers pitching staff and the Brewers 
Corbin Burns and with Brandon Woodruff and what they need to do moving forward, this pitching staff wants to continue the good times, especially with Brandon Woodruff. If you time things out as things stand right now, so he gets the win today, his 10th win in his 100th career start, mind you, 10th win this season, I should say, in his 100th career start. If you time it out every fifth day, right now, Brandon Woodruff will be slated to go on Saturday against the Yankees. Then he'll face these Reds again, uh, not this coming Thursday, but next Thursday. And then he would face the Cardinals on the 27th here at home on that Tuesday. There's a lot going on to think about with Brandon Woodruff and his consistency. So if you map it out, he's got four more starts in these final 21 days thanks to the off days. That's certainly helpful. Maybe that's four wins you can steal right there, and that means Corbin Burns also has four starts remaining. Maybe a fifth if you want to start him on short rest for the final day of the season. So that's another three or four wins that you can snag there. The Brewers are going to need something special down the stretch, like Mike was alluding to on the uh, call line. 21 games to go, 90 wins. They would need to go 15-6 and six over these last 21 games. That would be pretty special. That would be something that the Brewers would be proud of, first and foremost. 90 wins, that's obviously 18 games over 500. They won 95 games last season. And given all the turmoil, you would hope that's enough wins to get you into the wild card. Only time will tell. 21 games to go it is going to be a mad dash to the finish. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, wanted to get to one quick text here before we send it to news here at the top of the hour. Is anything done, a fine, etc., about a player like Lopez who fakes being hit by a pitch? Lopez was lying face down on the field holding his hand, quote-unquote, in pain, and having the manager and trainer come check on him when replay showed he hadn't been hit. Uh, I have a quick take on that. I thought Lopez, I think two things can be true on that. I think the ball hit the bat and hit his finger. I think it was a, you know, a perfect little jam clip where it caught him in the finger. It hurts worse than it maybe appears on replay. When that pitch happened, the sound to me, I'm like, Oh, that had to have hit the bat. And when I saw the replay, I'm like, ooh, the pinky jumps out of the way. And yes, it was called a foul ball, but if it hits the bat and then hits your hand, it's still a foul ball. You can still be hit by the pitch after a foul ball, which I think is what happened there. Is there anything done? The fine is what we call kangaroo court, where the clubhouse takes over and sits there and says, hey, man, it was a foul ball, and you're acting like you broke your finger. Come on, man. Put it in the box, meaning a fine in the box. Maybe, you know, I remember in the minor leagues for me, it was usually be like a, a standard fine would be like five bucks in the box, or maybe an egregious fine would be ten bucks, or something the team would vote on could be up to like twenty bucks. And then at the end of the year, they decide what to do with that fund from the kangaroo court at the end of the season. So that's where you may have heard of. If you've participated in fantasy camp with Bill Schroeder, you certainly know about kangaroo court. Those are some of the funniest memories in every fantasy camp. Uh, if you've been uh, lucky enough to participate in those. Bill Schroeder, by the way, puts on a great show with Fantasy Camp uh, every January. From what I understand, Rock tells me that it's full this year. So hopefully we can get you on the wait list for uh, the following year, for 2024's Fantasy Camp. Because they haven't had it in the last two years because of COVID. So I think Rock's really excited to have Fantasy Camp coming back around again. But a fair question. It was entertaining, uh, to say the least. Brewers win 7-6. to six. 
Again, an extended Brewers extra innings coming today. Looking to the Vikings and Packers, it's still 20-7 to Vikings, and they have the ball again, and they are currently driving in Packer territory right now, are the Vikings. So about eight minutes to go in that contest. Not looking great for the green and gold, but we will be with you all the way up until Pack Attack. News coming up at the top of the hour, then more Brewers extra innings on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. High fly ball, deep right field. Aquino back at the track. Number 30 for Roddy Telez. His second home run of the game. And the Brewers lead it 7-2. to Lane Grindle on the call. Homer number two, 10th career multi-homer game for Rowdy Telez. Brewers win 7-6. to Things are looking up. They win a series over the Reds like they're supposed to. Yes, we would have liked to sweep, but they got the job done, and they have a happy off day coming up tomorrow before a huge series with the Cardinals. A two-gamer down at Bush for uh, the last trip of the year to St. Louis. It felt like a slugfest early. Back and forth we went, and then the Brewers needed every run they got in the end. A 7-6 final with some dramatics in the final three frames. Let's hear from the manager, Craig Council, on how important that early offense was. Well, yeah, we, um, you know, two in the first, and then they they put two two runs on the board, and then you know we gave Woody a, a cushion to pitch with, and you know the two runs were, you know, I thought Woody pitched well through that stretch. Just uh, they, you know, they got two runs, but um, he, he was really good today, um, and uh, obviously getting him a, getting him a lead uh, lets him kind of be on the offense of the whole game. Was getting to 30 homers for the season. I don't think he ever had more than 21. Just what has he meant, just in terms of the way he's capitalized on this opportunity this season with more playing time? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Rowdy, he played a lot last year for us, but here part of the season, I think um, he's been important in the middle of the order and kind of came into this game like struggling a little bit, honestly. Um, but, you know, capable of big days like this with, with the power that he has. So, um, he, he's had some days like this where he's done a lot of the heavy lifting offensively, and um, he, he's going to hit with men on base uh, with with what kind of how Yelly's been doing it. So it's um, you know it's important that he gets those you know those big hits and that power. Yeah, Mitchell catch um, with how far he had to track. What was kind of your vantage point? Did you think he was going to be able to? There? Yeah, I mean, I, I did actually. I mean, I, the ball was up there for a little ways, and you know, we we know how he runs, so I thought he had a pretty good shot at catching it. That whole inning for Devin, it was a lot of balls kind of in the right spot. Um, yeah, that's that's they don't that's baseball for. Unfortunately, they don't. Uh, you know, that's that's how it works sometimes. That's why the strikeouts the strikeouts so important that he got of. Farmer, uh, that that was a, that's a huge out to get a strike out there. Um, so, you know that that's those guys in the back of the game can miss bats, and having the ability to get that strike out can you know l- limit you that inning and keep runs off the board and anything like that. The Butler was down for him early, at least early in the outing. Is that something to to keep an eye on, or is it just a kind of a blip? No, I mean I no concerns. First Tuesday starters that's still up in the air. Or? Yeah, it's going to be a bullpen game, um, so we'll, we'll discuss that and provide that at a later moment time. Moment in time. <laughs> and Corbin gets a little extra rest here, right? Is he is he on an extra? Corbin Corbin will pitch on Wednesday. Yeah. Is that just designed to give him a breather, or does it set you up for beyond? 
Um, it, it's just kind of mapping out Corbin's rest of the season. Um, we, we can give him some days and, and still get the same number of starts. So I think that makes sense at this time of year. What do you make of the way Woody's pitching right now these last handful of starts? Uh, pitching very well. I mean, he, he's been pitching well for a long time. Um, I mean, uh, since he came back from the injury, he's been pitching very at a very high level. This is always true, Craig, for, for any team. Like, you want your horses to, to carry you along. Do you feel like for Woodruff and Burns right now, given the things happening around them, that you know these next three weeks you, you just need them to carry a, a heavy load? Yeah, I mean, I think you can add to that list. That, I mean, we're going to need to count on more than those two guys. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm confident those guys will deliver. I think we got there, there's a bunch of guys that have heavy lifting here coming up. I mean, we got we got to win a bunch of games. We're chasing, um, so it's you know I, we're we're counting on a lot of people. Did, did Ashby get out from on this weekend? Uh, Ashby, no. Ashby played long toss aggressively today, and everything's everything's going well. Well, that's good news. At the very end of that, with Aaron Ashby going well. They're going to need him in the final three weeks of the season. That was manager Craig Council. We'll relive the highlights and get ready to wrap up Brewers extra innings coming up in just a little bit. We're with you until the Packers game goes final. Stay with us here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Get out of here! Go! Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. A 7-6 win had a whole lot of drama and intrigue, but for a while, it was looking like it was headed for a blowout. The Brewers win the series over the Reds. Here's how they got there. Very similar to last night. The offense was in high gear early. First two batters reach, Yelich and Adamas on singles. And Rowdy Telez, despite two strikes on him, ripping an extra base hit. The pitch. This one lined to the right field corner. Rowdy Telez going to have at least a double. He may get two RBIs. He's got one. The second is scoring, standing. Willie Adamas on a two-run double by Rowdy Tellez. That was huge for Rowdy. Only his second double in his last 22 games. He's been a homer or bust type guy. But the Reds would respond with two in the bottom of the second off Brandon Woodruff. He would have five Ks through two innings to set the tone for what was to come. But it's two to two. Heading to the bottom of the second inning. A leadoff walk to Jace Peterson on base. Jace doing his job. You know what that leads to? It always leads to more runs. They turn it over to the top of the order with two outs and still only Jace aboard on second base. And Yelich starts the rally. They'll come to your house. Line to left. Base hit. Around third. And the throw coming on to second. And the Brewers have the lead. Christian Yelich goes the other way again. They were far from done. Willie Adamas, the next batter. The stretch, the pitch. Hit to right center and deep. Way back. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Willie Adamas. He just took Justin Dunn out of here with a drive to deep right center. Willie, homer number 28. That puts him one back of tying Robin Yount for the most homers by a Brewers shortstop all time. But yet, the Brewers still weren't done. They were thinking back-to-back. Back. And the pitch. Line to right in the corner. Get out of here. Gone for Rowdy Calaz. 
That was a line drive. That got out of here in a hurry for Rowdy. And for him, it was the first of two on the day. So at the time, the Brewers are now leading by a 6-2 lead. Brandon Woodruff finding his groove. He would finish with 11 strikeouts in this contest. He was rolling. It's his 15th career double-digit strikeout game. We move now to the fourth inning. Rowdy Telez facing a new right-hander, Luke Farrell. And he welcomes him to the game quickly. High fly ball, deep right field. Aquino back at the track. Number 30 for Rowdy Telez. His second home run of the game. And the Brewers lead it 7-2. Lane Grindle on the call. So number 30, another bring of the bell for Rowdy Telez. And remember... You don't have to wait until Christmas time to ring the bell and donate money into the Salvation Army Red Kettle. Donate now at samilwaukee.org. Brewers are cruising. It's 7-2. Everyone's feeling great. But in the blink of an eye, things got tense. With the bullpen taking over in the seventh, a two-run homer by Alejo Lopez off Peter Strezlecki. Man, things interesting enough. It brought Taylor Rogers in for the eighth. He got a pair of strikeouts in a scoreless frame. Brewers leading 7-4-9, and things got wacky. A leadoff double by Spencer Steer off of Devin Williams. Then a check swing infield hit by Alejo Lopez. It brought the tying run to the plate. Matt Reynolds hit a chopper toward third, slowly hit that Jace Peterson made a poor throw to first base, one of a rare error for the sure-handed third baseman. All of a sudden, a run is in, and the tying run is aboard for the top of the order lurking. Pinch hitter Kyle Former would strike out against Kyle or against Devin Williams. And then the top of the order, TJ Friedel, 0 for 4 at this point in the game, but somebody who had been the Brewers' thorn in their side all season long. Brewers had some defense show up to make sure they stayed in the lead. One is in the pitch. Line to the gap in left center. It is going to be a diving catch. What a grab by Mitchell. Catch by Mitchell. The sack fly made it a one-run game. Bob Euchre on the call there again. Mitchell, full extension. Might have got there a little sooner than he was anticipating. That's the kind of wheels that he possesses out there in center field. A great play. It did score a run, but the, the job was far from over. Runner on second base. Two outs. Jonathan India coming to the plate. The reigning NL Rookie of the Year. But he's 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. It was his second career golden sombrero. Devin Williams trying to add one more for him. New sign, Narvaez. From the stretch. Here it is. Hey! Struck him out swinging. Jonathan India strikes out for the fifth time today. And Devin Williams finally closes the door. That is how you finish a game in style. Devin Williams gets the save. It's his 12th of the season. The Brewers win by a final of 7-6. to six. Milwaukee, seven runs, nine hits, one error. They left a total of eight runners on base. The Reds, six runs on nine hits, no errors. They left five runners on base. Woodruff's the winner. He's 10-4. and four. The loser is done. And as we mentioned, Williams earns the save. The Brewers are now 75 and 66 and just two games back 
of a playoff spot in the wild card hunt. Brewers, wow, they needed that one. They get the series win like they were supposed to. Yes, some folks would complain they should have got a sweep. It just shows you how hard it is to sweep teams, no matter how bad they are and no matter how much talent you have on the field. That's why you play 162 games. Anybody can beat anybody on any given night. I mean, look at right now in Oakland. The A's are beating the White Sox 10-3 to after getting bludgeoned in the first three games of that series. Uh, elsewhere in baseball, some other wacky results from this game, too. I mean, the Pirates were up 2 nothing heading into the ninth inning against uh, the the Cardinals, but ended up losing 4-3. to the, There's always wacky. The Angels beat the Astros yesterday. The Diamondbacks beat the Rockies 12-6. to So th- there's always wild results happening in baseball at any given moment. Let me look at the out-of-town scoreboard real quick before we let you go as they are in the waning final moments of the Packers and the Vikings. Not looking good for the Pack as they're going to fall to 0-1 in Week 1. Stay tuned, though. We have Pack Attack coming up right after we wrap up here when that game goes final. Looking at the out-of-town scoreboard here, though, for the Brew Crew. Good news from San Diego. The Dodgers have defeated the Padres 11-2. So the Brewers officially gain a game on San Diego. They're two games back in record, essentially three games back with the tiebreaker. Elsewhere, Philadelphia, it is still tied. Now it's 5-5 to between the Nationals and Phillies as far as the Brewers. Look, the Phillies are only a half game up on San Diego. You get one little four-game losing streak, and suddenly they're the team that's on the outside looking in. It's going to be... A very interesting finish down the stretch here for the Brew Crew because there's 21 games to go. They are obviously the team chasing. And we're going to bring it up all the time, but there is a blueprint for this, for the blue, for what the Brewers need to do. Remember how dead in the water the Cardinals looked last season, especially after the shocking walk-off grand slam by Daniel Vogelback here at American Family Field last September 5th. That was in the midst of a four-game losing streak. They were 69-68, and 68, just one game above 500 on September 7th last season. They would only lose four more games for the rest of the year. And, of course, the amazing winning streak for the Cardinals last year, as much as to the Brewers' chagrin, of course, a 17-game winning streak, with including a few wins against the Brew Crew. It has been done before. That winning streak started on September 11th. Well... Today, it's back-to-back wins for the Brewers now on September 11th. I'm not saying they're going to win 17 in a row, but this is where the Cardinals made their move, and that's what the Brewers need to do coming up down the stretch. The move is going to be tough because they got two with the Cardinals on Tuesday, and then they've got three with the Yankees, and then three more with the Mets, and then they finally sort of coast coming up down the stretch for the Brew Crew. 21 games to go. It will be over in the blink of an eye. Man, I I can't believe we're already at the end of this season. It has flown by, and we're scoreboard watching 24-7. There is so much to get to. So the next Brewers broadcast, it starts at 6-10. Our coverage begins at 6-10 on Tuesday night from St. Louis, and I'll be back with you for Brewers Extra Innings after the game. Cardinals, the host, Brewers visiting Bush for the last time this season. All right, they're just about going final in Minneapolis. We'll take our last break. And on the other side, Pack Attack will be ready for you for the rest of the way as we're going to dissect this one. Homer and Gabe are standing by, ready to 
break this one down as the Vikings are about to go final with a 23-7 victory over Green Bay in this one. Brewers get the win, though, so not all is lost this weekend with the Badgers losing yesterday and now the Packers losing today. The Brewers do win two out of three against the Cincinnati Reds. That's going to do it for me on an extended Brewers Extra Innings. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, the final, 7-6. to six. The Brewers victorious. They're 75-66 and 66 this season. For Evan Metallus and back in our studios, I'm Dominic Catronio from American Family Field. Until next time, we'll see you on Tuesday night for the Cardinals and the Brewers. Until then, keep on swinging. said goodbye. We're going to dance around a little bit here as we wait for the final and send you to pack attack because you know, Vikings running backs don't understand state inbounds when you're trying to run the clock and the Packers are out of timeouts, but nonetheless we're going to stick around and dance a little bit as the Packers prepare for their uh, final drive with only a minute to go in this one. Give you some other NFL scores here before we send it to pack attack and get you ready for uh, the whole recap of this one. Tough one as the Packers are going to fall 23-7 to in Minnesota in the opener this week finals from earlier today uh the big one the browns finally won on week one for the first time in almost 15 years browns win on week one over the panthers baker mayfield does not get revenge against his former team 26 to 24 cleveland with the victory in that one uh also elsewhere eagles off to a 38 35 win over detroit uh the steelers won in overtime over the Bengals, 23 to 20 in the new era starting in Pittsburgh, that game was in Cincinnati, though. The Bears, in a sloppy soldier field, got the win, 19-10 to over San Francisco in that contest. The Saints survived against the Falcons after a blocked field goal to end it, 27-26. to The Chargers beat the Raiders, 24-19. to uh, And then also, the Chiefs are beating up on the Cardinals right now, 44-21. to That game just went final as well. All right, this one's just about over. Pack attack on the other side of this break. As thank you for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, Gabe and Homer will take it the rest of the way after this.